Um, morning, everyone. In addition to all of the other things that this morning has been, um, this is also the second Sunday of Lent. So we're going to have our readings from the Revised Common Lectionary, and we're going to pray together in response. Um, we started the season of Lent last Sunday with the reading about Jesus's temptation in the wilderness. Um, and today, we're not actually reading the gospel passage. Um, we'll be reading from Psalms and from one of the epistles. Um, our gospel passage for this week is really short, and you might be familiar with it. So I'm just going to give a quick recap. It's just this moment when Jesus is coming towards Jerusalem, and he sees the city off in the distance, and his heart just breaks for it. And he says, Oh, Jerusalem, you've killed the prophets. He says, basically, you have not listened to the word of the Lord when it has come to you. God has come to bring you light and life and truth. And you have turned against those that God has sent. And instead of saying, oh, I hate you so much, he follows that up by saying, how I long to gather you under my wings like a mother hen gathers her chicks but you would not. And I think it's a beautiful image, especially as we're moving deeper into this season of Lent to remember. I think a lot of us, if we have any ideas about Lent at all, we just think of it as a time of sort of darkness and just a stark, solemn self-deprivation. It's the anti-fun time, right? It's the time where we have to suffer to make God love us. I think that's what it feels like to a lot of us. That's the idea that we're given. But the gospel gives us a different idea, and all of our readings together sort of point towards this different idea that I think this image really encapsulates, that God longs for us to be with him. He longs to gather us into his presence to hold us to shelter us as we hear in our psalm this morning to be our light and our salvation the rock on which we stand a level path to make things go well for us in our lives to heal our brokenness and it is our rebellion against him our refusal of his love that causes us pain that causes us brokenness so this season is not a time for us to experience pain so that God will love us. It is a time for us to focus on clearing out our lives so we can experience the great love that he has for us. So we can stop suffering because of the same mistakes that we make. So that we can be more transformed into his likeness and hold fast to his promises and let go of the things that are hurting us. So as we read our readings this morning and as we respond in prayer, I just encourage all of us to remember this time that God is calling you not to get yourself together so that he can love you or to suffer so that he will give you something nice later. The God who loves you and who has suffered for you and who is with you in your suffering is calling you to a place of shelter, to a place of healing, to a place of hope. Amen. Mr. Joshua, could you please read for us from the Psalms this morning? Yes. Good morning, church. Good morning. We're reading from the book of Psalms 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The evil doers assail against me to devour my flesh. My adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, that will I seek after. To live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord. To inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter. In the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high on the rock. Now my head is lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing in his melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord. When I cry aloud, be gracious to me and answer me. Come, my heart says, see his face. Your face, Lord, do I see. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You, who have been my help, do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God, of my salvation. If my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on the level path because of my enemies. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries. The false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Amen. Amen. A read from, from the Paul letter to Philippians. My brothers and sisters, Jordan imitated me and observed those who live according to his office you have in it. For many live as enemies for the cause of Christ. I have often told you of this. And now I tell you the truth. Therein is destruction. Their God is the better. And their glory is insane. Their mind is set on earthly things. But I sense the ship is in that. And it is from there that we are expected saved. The Lord Jesus Christ. He will turn for the body of our humiliation. That it may be confirmed in the body of the glory. By the power that also enables him to take all things subject to himself. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, who I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved, the word of the Lord. Please pray with us. God, our light and our salvation. You are our shelter in times of trouble, the rock on which we stand. You lead us on a level path and turn us from destruction. Yet we are not content to dwell in your house, to behold your beauty, to inquire in your temple. Instead, we worship our own desires. We glorify our own brokenness. We conform ourselves to the wisdom of the world. Forgive us, O Lord. Teach us your ways. 
that we shall see your goodness in the land of the living. Brothers and sisters, believe and have hope. The Lord longs to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wing. Through him you are forgiven, you are welcomed, you are loved. Let us rejoice together and give praise to our Savior. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hope beyond all human hope, you promise light and salvation in the midst of darkness and despair, and promise redemption to a world that will not listen. Gather us to yourself in tenderness. Open our ears to listen to your word, and teach us to live faithfully as people confident of the fulfillment of your promises. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, for one more week, um, you've got the, I don't even know if I'm the fifth string worship leader. <laughs> I'm more like, uh, uh, being, a, uh, being an old Aggie, I'm more like uh, the twelfth man. I mean, somebody just came out of the, out of the stands. But um, you know what, it's, it, I'm just facilitating uh, what we all really have the gift of doing today, and that's uh, joining together in, in worshiping our God. So if you were able to stand, and we're going we're gonna to sing a little bit. Uh, much of what we're going to sing today, uh, you may be familiar with. Some of you may not, but the words will be uh, up, on the, uh, up on the screen. Alex, I forgot to, to, for at least one thing, I forgot to do hymnals. No, you don't Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, I want to... And um, before beginning this first very simple chorus, which if you don't know it, uh, I will do my best to carry pitch, and then very quickly you will uh, learn it. But uh, this is really right out of Psalm 95, uh, which reads this way in the first uh, part of the psalm. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand.
that which you send it out for. Lord, thank you for all the gifts of today. Thank you for everything that you give us, Father, uh, all the provision in our lives and for the opportunity, um, even together now, to give back to what you're doing here in our community through this church. Um, so, Father, take uh, our gifts and multiply them for your kingdom. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to... Uh, Finish by reading or by uh, uh, singing a very familiar hymn, so we, we're all good on this one. Um, it's uh, I Surrender All, which is very appropriate on the day where uh, Phil launches out uh, in this uh, journey. So uh, there's three verses to it. Alex tells me they're all known there, so uh, that's great.
in the back because usually I'm walking up behind the drums. <laughs> it's over here on tile today. Um, leftover remnants from Mardi Gras, and we had to make room for, I don't know, 40, 50 boxes of tracks. We had everybody here. Um, I'm grateful for everybody that's here today. Um, and that's not just me saying that because this is uh, an important day for me, but um, everybody who comes through our door every Sunday and every Wednesday and every Friday, and, um, well, we have an opportunity to embrace them as a community and show them God's love. Uh, I'm grateful um, to everyone that steps through the door, um, and I'm grateful to the Lord for giving us uh, that opportunity as a church and a community. Um, before I start, uh, let me pray for us. Um, Father, thank you. Um, and as always, I ask that um, you just move me out of the way in um, this word that you've given me. Um, Lord, speak through me and speak through me clearly. Um, thank you for everyone here. Um, and thank you for our Sunday mornings where we can gather together. I love you, and I pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, last week, Alex, um, I was so excited um, listening to his sermon, um, talking about the uh, humanity of Jesus in the garden and how we saw him embracing um, the difficulties of our life and um, the things that we go through as humans and having this moment where, um, as we were seeing in I Surrender All, it was... Um, if I can explain this uh, well when we come to Jesus and we, and we surrender our lives to God um, you saw in the garden last week Alex describing a moment where Jesus was surrendering his humanity to his father's will Jesus didn't need salvation but he was taking that step of obedience to um say, Father, this is what I'm going through. This is the human experience that I'm experiencing, and I surrender it to your will. I know what's about to come, and if there's any other way, can you please take it from me? But I'm surrendering to your will. Um, and in John 18 this morning, which is our text, uh, one of two texts, because there's two um, stories kind of paralleling uh, today. Um, we have Jesus post-garden, and this is Jesus when he's brought before the Sanhedrin, um, which are the, uh, this is a really uh, bad, not bad, but it's the, the only comparison we have for modern times of what the Sanhedrin is. And if Jesus was taken before a Sharia law court in Islam, this is who the Sanhedrin would be. They are the legalistic court um, of Israel. Um, they are so pious and so forward with their interpretation of the law that when uh, God talks about plucking out your eye, if it causes you to sin, they literally would pluck out someone's eye. They, they do everything literal down to the T. Um, so in John 18, we see uh, the beginning of this story, and it's verse 12 uh, and on. 
This is when Jesus is arrested and taken to Annas. Then the company of soldiers, the commander and the Jewish temple police, arrested Jesus and tied him up. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who is the high priest that year, which is interesting. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it was advantageous that one man should die for the people. And this is 15, and then also into 19, which is, is Peter and then Annas. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was following as was another disciple. That disciple was an acquaintance of the high priest. So he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Peter remained standing outside by the door. So the other disciple, the one known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the girl who was the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. Then the slave girl who was the doorkeeper said to Peter, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? I am not, he said. Now the slaves in the temple police had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. They were standing there warming themselves, and Peter was standing with them warming himself. The high priest questioned Jesus and his disciples uh, about his disciples and uh, about his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus answered him. I have always taught in the synagogue and in the temple complex where all the Jews congregate. And I haven't spoken anything in secret. Why do you question me? Question those who have heard what I told them. Look, they know what I said. When he said these things, one of the temple police standing by slapped Jesus, saying, Is this the way you answer the high priest? If I have spoken wrongly, Jesus answered him, Give evidence about the wrong. But if rightly, why do you hit me? And then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. So he's before the Sanhedrin, and they bring him to the high priest's house, but they don't bring him to the high priest first. They bring him to the father-in-law of the high priest, who is Annas. And there's a couple of reasons why they've done this. Um, Annas is the true leader of this household. Caiaphas might hold the seat of power at the time, but Annas is the one that's pulling the strings behind um, what he's built. Annas is a uh, notorious figure in Jewish history. Um, there's actually um, a quote in the Talmud that talks about the house of Annas and woe to them um, for they are a, a house of snakes. Um, they were known as a crooked um, uh, Roman political family that built um, their entire name on a position that used to be a lifetime position but now under Roman rule had become a position of political power and they were appointed by the Roman uh, governor who here would be Pilate uh, which is later in our story uh, of Lent but um, an interesting fact about Annas that he lost his high priesthood. Um, he was the first in his family to be high priest, and then all of his sons, he had four or five sons that were high priests. Then he had his son-in-law, Caiaphas, who at this point was too removed from Annas. There was Annas, then there was one of his sons, and then there was Caiaphas, who had become high priest. And Annas lost his high priesthood because he was killing lawbreakers, which is against Roman law. But for Jesus to come first to Annas, was a death sentence 
was an arrogant statement by Annas and by Annas and the Sanhedrin saying, you're going to die and there's nothing you're going to do to get out of it. They didn't even have to have the charade of a court. They didn't have to have anything because Annas was known as a killer. Um, he was brought on, on the, the family of Annas uh, and the Sanhedrin. He was brought on their radar by what he taught in the temple and the, the, the new covenant that he talked about and the fulfillment of the covenant that he talked about. And the day that he turned over everything in the temple and got rid of all the sacrifices, he was literally destroying the economy of the Annas family because they held control of all the temple sacrifices. Which is interesting because all these sacrifices that were tradition that were necessary to bring the people um, sanctification before God were being, were being torn up and destroyed by the sacrifice once and for all that they would actually need. Um, the Sanhedrin um, the Sanhedrin were a group that always stood on the fringes. The, the Pharisees um, and the Sanhedrin that were always, they knew of Jesus, but they could never really pin anything on him. Um, and through this whole process, um, there was a crowd. Um, reading through the Gospels of, uh, I chose John as the text for this part, but reading through the Gospels, at one point there's a man when, when they're grabbing Jesus and they're grabbing everyone affiliated with Jesus, there's uh, a man there that only has linen wrapped around him and they grab the linen and he runs away naked. Like, this is what kind of situation they're in. It's, it's chaos, there's fear, there's, uh, there's death coming, and everybody knows what it means. Um, and in the garden, you see Jesus in his, in his frailest part of humanity. He's been tempted by the devil. He's gone through all this ministry. He's performed miracles. He's done all these things, but he feels the weight of the glory um, that he um, he has to follow through with but it requires uh, something that um, that we weren't meant for and he certainly wasn't meant for and that's death this is Jesus stepping into who he is as Messiah last week we saw who he was um, as as a great example of Jesus the man fully man fully human but we see here Jesus resolved before the Sanhedrin through all through the questioning of Caiaphas through the questioning of Annas when they eventually get to the crux of his questioning when Caiaphas rips his robes and and says that he's guilty of blasphemy um, they ask him the simple question um, are you, are you the son of God? And he doesn't say yes. He says, that's what you say I am. And they count that against him. Because this strong leader, this man who's been a teacher, this man who has said that before, who has said who he is, uh, now says it in front of the law that um, the law keepers that have been put in charge 
of his chosen people. This is the people that his father chose to bring the bloodline of the Messiah through. They are now convicting their Messiah. Um, and in so many ways, um, it's necessary. Um, because Jesus needs the high priest. Jesus needs the Sanhedrin to say he's guilty because he's guilty of being blameless. And to be a sacrifice once and for all, he needs to be guilty, but he also needs to be blameless. And in this moment, he's both. But they don't care about the blameless part. They care about the guilty part. They care that he's a man in their way, and they want to get rid of him. The, the story intertwined through this story is my favorite person in the Bible. Um, my second sermon ever was about Peter. Um, and I tied in part of this story with what I preached on that day. And uh, while this is all going on, there's a man, there's a disciple, there's actually two disciples in the courtyard. Um, it's not spoken his name, but it's understood that it's John and it's Peter that are in the courtyard while this is all going on. He sees everything, he hears everything. But Jesus also hears and sees everything Peter is doing. Um, Peter's story, uh, we read a little bit about it earlier, but this is Luke 22. This is a, a second text today. Luke 22, verse 54 and on. a little bit, it's, it covers the same things, but it's a different perspective. They seized him, led him away, and brought him into the high priest's house. Meanwhile, Peter was following at a distance. They lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat down together. And Peter sat among them. When a servant saw him sitting in the firelight and looked closely at him, she said, this man was with him too. I kind of tried to, uh, kind of tried to, uh, tried to emphasize that earlier in the John text. I never saw and realized that word too until I studied for this sermon, realizing that John is sitting there, and John is sitting there as, an, as, as a known disciple. And John, we have no record of John saying anything or either way, caring. Not, we don't have him denying. We don't have him using it as weight to get in, uh, to do anything. But when she asked Peter, you're his disciple too, he says, no, I'm not. Like my reaction was, what was John thinking? If John was if John was standing there with him, like it's one of those moments like, what? Like all the things these guys have seen. I mean, they've seen Jesus' glory. They've seen Peter was the one that tried to kill people when they arrested Jesus. Peter was the one that wanted to build little tents and houses at the top of the uh, mountain for Elijah, Moses, and Jesus when they uh, were at the Transfiguration. Like, these guys have seen a lot. They've seen it all. And John's standing there like, we need to be here with our, with our Christ, who, Jesus, or who, who Peter's also confessed that with. He's confessed him as Messiah, as Christ, um, as the Son of God. 
but he gets asked a simple question by somebody in a courtyard around a coal fire while his friend is in there before the Sanhedrin, the, the killers in charge of the law. No, I don't know this guy. I don't know. He denied it. Woman, I don't know him. Verse 58, after a little while, someone else saw him and said, you're one of them too. Man, I am not. I love this translation because it says it like that. <laughs> About an hour later, another kept insisting, this man was certainly with him, since he's also a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Immediately while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. And this is my second favorite part in the Passion of the Christ. Then the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. If y'all seen that movie, you know in that part right there, um, Jesus is getting beat up. And he falls and when Peter says that, he looks directly at him. Um, and we don't know, we don't know what Peter saw. We know that Peter remembered what Jesus said. We know that Peter's a passionate guy. We know that Peter loves Jesus. But we also know that Peter, just like us, fails. We see in this Jesus, who's felt weakness, who's felt all the things that he felt in the garden, who felt his humanity clashing with his God inside of him, this man fully God and fully human. And he understands our story. And he prayed for help from his father to carry through with his father's will. And right here we see the beginning of that story. We see the beginning of Jesus' resolve to go to the cross. We see Jesus standing before the people who are accusing him wrongly of being a false teacher, of not being God, of not recognizing who he is. We see him embracing um, as a man the, the difficulty that God, his Father, has for him. And we see our role in this. We're the accuser and we're the deniers. We had no role in this other than sending him there. As humans, we had no role in this because we couldn't because only he could. It was his to bear and his alone. All his friends walked away from him. The people of his bloodline, the people that were his father's chosen people, accused him and walked away from him and turned their back on him. And he still said, I'm going. When he looked at Peter, I like to think that it was the same way he looks at us. 
It wasn't, I told you so, three times. It was, I know, and I love you. Who we are, we are the image bearers. And he, he came down amongst us and took our burden, experienced our humanity. And in this very moment, when he is faced with people bearing the image of his father and they're saying, you are this, you are this, you are this, you're going to die. And he looks at his friend and his friend is saying, I don't know this guy. When he knows every intimate thing about Jesus, He still continues on through this process. And he still continues on getting bolder and uh, having more resolve because he's obedient to his father. He's obedient even to death on a cross. So uh, this morning for, um, for altar call, it's going to be a lot like um, Alex did last week. Um, Robin, if you want to come up and just play. I want you guys to just sit where you're at and to think about um, think about being this is kind of like the my, my Peter sermon the first time only we're not at the beach we're in the courtyard and I want you guys to, to sit there and think about the interaction between Jesus and Peter and think about how you play in this personally. Plug yourself into Peter's position. You see your friend, you see your savior taking punishment and accusation that's meant for you. And how do you react to that? I'm going to read some scripture over you guys as you take a moment to reflect. festive oil instead of mourning. <clears throat> I 
Jesus says over us. John 17, 23 through 26. I am in them and you are in me. May they be completely one. So the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire those you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they may see my glory, which you have given me, because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you. And these that known you, known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will make it known. So the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. Father, I thank you that um, you love us in spite of our brokenness. You love us through our accusation, through our denial. And I thank you, I thank you, Jesus, that you were obedient to your Father. And uh, I thank you that you carried on with your mission, which is the salvation of our souls. And um, I pray that as, as we move through this Lent season, that we would become uh, a deep, have a deeper understanding on who you are and the sacrifice that you made because it's deeper than we could ever know and it's more personal than we could ever know and we love you and we are grateful for saving us you are the Christ the son of the living God and thank you for being with us here today and we love you in the name of Jesus I pray amen take communion this morning in this way. As I read the words of institution, Phil's going to um, gather the elements and then please just come forward as you will and take elements back to your seat and we'll partake together. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. They'll come as you will.
take and eat and drink. Please pray with me. Father God, the miraculous part of the story is not that we deny you, Lord. We find ways to deny you every day. God, the miraculous part is that you still care to look on us. God, that you want to restore relationship with us. God, that you would seek us out, that you would still feed us, invite us to your table. Lord, that you would still consent to be our God and have us be your people. Lord, with the shame that we bring on you and with our denial, God, I pray that we would see our sins clearly. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would convict us. God, so that we might know what it means that we are forgiven. God, that we would see ourselves as those who have been forgiven much. God, so that we might be able to love you much. Lord, I pray all these things in Jesus' name, so we know you hear us. Amen. Before we go, please join me in the singing of the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy grace and peace to love and serve the Lord. Don't forget, if you want to take part in the kids' ministry, or if you have a kid, or if, like Ben, one of your goals in life is to be a child, please stay. <laughs> if they want a magic show or something that's Christian-related, I'll be happy to do that. Just let me know. But that would be interesting. I don't know. I think should tell I, more I, about I, I, I mean, thinking about this. So, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, let me give you my number so you can uh, ring me for one. Yeah, sure. And then uh, let me know if you, if you, if you, if you want me to. Well, I got some ideas. So. I can show the difference between magic and Thanks, man. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. Congratulations, Phil. Thank you.